When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Manning back, steps up, heaves one down the middle of the field, into the end zone, and Nix makes the catch for the touchdown! He went up with the big hands and caught it on the Hail Mary on the final play of the half. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Um, we're going to fix it. That's what we're going to do. Because I'm Woody Johnson and we fix things. 877-337-6666. McMonagle here with you. Right here on The Fan. I got you for another two hours. Alex on the other side. Me and you. Until 5 o'clock in the warm-up show. 877-337-6666. And yeah, so we got to get to the Woody Johnson comments. Um, I guess he, he was at this, uh, you know, the NFL Hall of Fame uh, 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 NFL Honors Dinner. Um, the Hall of Fame class, I, I'll double check, I, I wrote, let me double check, but it's uh, Freeney, uh, defensive end, and uh, Devin Hester, kick returner, which is an interesting conversation, not for right this second, but a guy who is stri- arguably the greatest kick returner of all time, right? He's got the most touchdowns, and I believe it was his first year on the ballot. I mean, it can't be much more than that, first, second year on the ballot, and he gets right in as a kick returner. I mean, they're, you know, Jared Allen. Is not in the Hall of Fame. Antonio Gates did not get into the Hall of Fame, but Devin Hester is a Hall of Famer. Interesting conversation there. But more interesting conversations being had in the building is Woody Johnson spoke to the media, gave a couple of different answers, and, you know, a couple in particular kind of bothered me. But let's hear a couple of the sound. I didn't get a chance to hear it. I didn't know sound was even available until Marco just played it in the update. So before I get into some of the comments, let's have a little fun because that one sounded ridiculous. We're going to fix it. It sounds a little bit almost like, you know, Marco said it sounds like a, a 30s broadcaster or uh, it almost sounds a little bit like Ross Perot almost. If you remember Ross Perot, can I finish? Can I finish? Can I, or at least Dana Carvey doing uh, Ross Perot. Can I finish? 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 We're going to fix it. All right, so let's hear a couple of comments from Woody Johnson before uh, we get into some of the comments that have been already uh, uh, put out there on Twitter uh, from mainly Brian Costello's where I saw them in the post. So we gotta we'll we'll get to him, but let's hear what we have to say. Uh, what Woody Johnson had to say at this uh, award um, uh, dinner for the NFL, coming off a very very disappointing for the much ballyhooed and uh, highly anticipated New York Jets uh, with Aaron Rodgers going down, clearly four snaps in. Let's see how Woody feels about things. Just picture this: it's a night stadium. Everybody's got their wristbands on, like Taylor Swift. You know, they've got all the red and the, the blue and the not red and blue, but green and, and white. He takes the American flag out, four plays later, the elation goes down to zero. I mean, that, it was unbelievable. I've never been through anything like that. Well, I mean, he's fair there. That, that was, I mean, you want to talk about the, uh, the air out of the proverbial, uh, balloon, uh, proverbial balloon. I mean, you ain't kidding. That, I mean, that just it sucked the life out of the franchise. So how did they go about fixing things? I, I, let's just keep playing sound. Let's see what Woody Johnson has to say. We can't make wrong decisions. We're going to make some, but we don't want to make many. Both with the people, you know, pro, pro personnel, and through the draft, and uh, in coaching and all that. We have to be right on all of it. Can make wrong decisions. That's a breath of fresh air. So that's it. That's how they'll fix things. How do you fix things? You make right decisions. 
Anything else? I know these are mainly Marco cut up for like the morning show, maybe with a uh, a, a scent of humor uh, behind most of them, not maybe as much substance. Uh, substance. All right, one on Sala. Let's see what he has to say about his head coach, who's decided to bring back despite you know losing his entire career as a Jet head coach. He's going to be a lot better head coach. You know, one thing about sure. head coaches, you get better as as you get more experience, and you know he's going to concentrate on offense. You know, he's got Jeff to kind of do the defense, and we got good special team. Oh, it's offense, offense, offense. So sure, keep your defensive head coach. Makes sense. He's he's that'll fix it. That's how we fix it. We take our defensive head coach, who's been terrible, who's been one of the worst coaches in the NFL, who everybody wants fired, except me, of course, because I'm, I'm the idiot who thinks you keep it for Aaron Rodgers. But we're going to focus on the offense. All right, let's just get into the comments that really piss me off. All right, one, obviously going over this stuff, we all understand where the Jets are this year, but Woody Johnson is the leader of this franchise. He's the owner of the team. He's the one who brought Aaron Rodgers here. Let's be totally honest. All right, we understand Joe Douglas's role in it and Robert Sala's role in it and how much Woody, uh, how much Aaron Rodgers respects those two, but this is an owner decision. He brought Brett Favre here. He brought Aaron Rodgers here. And let's be honest, after that air out of the balloon, we just heard from Woody Johnson's mouth about Aaron Rodgers going down four plays in on opening night against the Bills. They had opportunities to go get quarterbacks. They had opportunities to do something besides relying on you-know-who, Zach Wilson, who should have never been the backup of this team at all. Now, we don't know for sure the role Woody Johnson played in keeping Zach Wilson the backup quarterback and then not not going out there and bringing in another quarterback to take his place once Rodgers goes down. There are rumors and there's discussion behind doors and in secret places about how much Woody Johnson had to do with it, and many people suspect quite a bit. And we know it wasn't the head coach's decision. That we know. So we could talk about, it. it's almost laughable to hear that last quote, to hear about, well, you know, he's going to focus on the offense. That's what Robert Sala is going to do. He's going to focus on the offense because they have Brian, They have a good defensive coordinator who they feel pretty good about, so he could focus on the offense. He hasn't been allowed to play the quarterback he wants to play. Quite clearly, the report came out last week. He's not a Zach Wilson guy, despite the fact he tells us otherwise. He said it would be a miracle to win eight games with Zach Wilson, and yet he's forced to play him. By whom, I wonder? By whom? But yet he's going to focus on offense when he's not allowed to dictate who his quarterback is, the one single most important decision a franchise can make. He's been robbed of that, and now he's going to go focus on the offense. Please. And then to throw blame on the idea you did not have a backup quarterback, which is 100% true and clear as day. And everybody knows that's the problem. I've been screaming it from the rooftops, for, and, and I'm not alone. Nor is it groundbreaking. They had no backup quarterback. To allow Wilson to be the backup quarterback was ridiculous from the jump. It made no sense. It never made any sense. On any standpoint, ever. 
this idea of a timeline where Rodgers wins you two Super Bowls and then you have Zach Wilson ready to go from there was a stupid idea. It never would have. It never made sense. It could have never possibly worked. But this owner who had to be involved in that decision making, who had to be, instead of taking any responsibility for it, oh, you know, we didn't have a backup quarterback. That's the guy you drafted. That's the guy you allowed to be the backup quarterback. You went into a season with Super Bowl aspirations, allowing him to be the backup quarterback. And now if you're going to throw that on Joe Douglas, how is Joe Douglas allowed to keep his job? And then if you're going to throw that on the coach who needs to focus more on offense, maybe allow him to pick the quarterback he wants to play. And then the other comment that people are going to latch on is, you know, he's quoted as saying, you know, Joe Douglas and Robert Sala, they know over the last kind of discussions we've had over the last few weeks, they know how mad I am. They've seen me. Uh, they they never saw this side of Woody Johnson before. You know, I'm paraphrasing. That's not, I'm not, that's not an exact quote. But pretty much they've they've they got it. They got the idea how pissed off I am, and it's ready to go. But he falls short of a playoff mandate. I could care less. We all know. All right, this is one of those things people will latch on. What do you mean? There's no playoff mandate. We all know if they don't win, they're going to get fired. Like we know that. We know that. And if he, I mean, he shouldn't have to say it. He shouldn't have to say it. Like this one, I'll, I'll, I'll I think it's stupid not to just say it. Like, I what do you? What, I'm not a playoff mandate. Uh, I'm not a playoff mandate type type guy. Is the quote that I read. But we know we have to be better. Yeah, or seven wins is unacceptable. Yeah, okay, you better make the freaking playoffs. And the idea he wouldn't be willing to say it, it it's a little baffling. I don't understand it. You know, I, I think he probably just doesn't want to. You know, capitulate to the to the media or to the fan base, and you know, say something he feels he's been forced to say. I don't know. I I can't get into the mind of Woody Johnson, but he should have said it, and we all know it to be a playoff mandate. This team has, with Aaron Rodgers healthy, has to make the playoffs. There's no question about it. And if he gets hurt again, then it doesn't matter. And he went through so much pain when asked what it was like to have Rodgers go down that day. What's it like to have your arm cut off? I, I, Thankfully, I don't think many of us know. But we do know what it's like to watch a team completely collapse on itself and who's the leader of that ship. How about you take a little self-awareness and recognize that you're a part of this. I mean... Throw, it's the it's it's on the quarterback. It's on the person who allowed him to be the backup quarterback. Well, you know, if you felt that way, he shouldn't have been the backup quarterback. And then once the season was progressing, why didn't you go out and uh, tell tell your your general manager to go get a quarterback? I mean, it's it's laughable because we don't without knowing. We all you know. I would imagine he had something to do with the idea of who his backup quarterback was going to be when he went and got Aaron Rodgers, which was the right thing to do. I don't blame him for going to get Aaron Rodgers. You got to go get Aaron Rodgers, but you got to be able to adapt when he goes down. But we all know it's a playoff mandate, and the Jets better be better. But I mean, it's it's just hard to take. It's hard to take and listen to Woody Johnson right now. I have to admit. He's going to turn around and blame the quarterback. He's going to blame 
Joe Douglas. He's going to blame Robert Sala, and then he's going to keep them. Why would you keep them if they're at fault this much? If Joe Douglas, if the reason they didn't win is because Joe Douglas didn't give them a backup quarterback, why is he allowed to pick them this year? Why is he allowed to go out and get a... Now, obviously, Zach Wilson's not going to be part of the team. I mean, he just blamed them for the season last year. I don't think you move forward with that. And, I mean, quite honestly, I don't know how... I think people have seen him play other teams. I'm not sure how much it matters. But you did you did just say on a guy you're t- trying to trade... You did just tell everyone you didn't. You don't even see him as a backup quarterback, which I think most of us who watch the game, I don't think you're telling any GM around football something they don't know already. But they know it's a project, and you're probably going to get a seventh round pick for him, tops, if you get that. But it's just hard to take and listen to Woody Johnson when you know it feels like. A lot of a lot of this has been forced upon, certainly at the very least, the head coach. And Robert Sala is going to get better, and he's going to focus on the offense, an offense that is led by a quarterback, and that's a decision you did not let him make, or someone did not let him make. Because clearly Robert Sala did not want to play Zach Wilson. He didn't want to play him at all last year when he had the opportunity to try to go to Mike White. He took it. Mike White got hurt. Then he, had, he was telling everybody in the building this year it'll be a miracle to win with him. I mean, I don't know what else. Then he then he uh, is forced to go back to him again late in the season, I guess. You know, they decide to go back to him after telling him, you know, you're not playing. Don't worry about it. We're going to move you in the offseason. Then they have to go back to him. Like, something's up inside Jetville. And the leader of Jetville is the owner, Woody Johnson. And until some of these comments are more directed, it has his role needs to be better. It's tough to take when he starts throwing the blame around. 877-337-6666. Kyle in Brooklyn. What's up, Kyle? Hey, Chris. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? Good, good. So I, I hate to be the defender of Woody Johnson. Sure. I'm, I'm no fan of him. But let, let's take a step back. Yeah. If, if you want to go back to – okay, if you want to blame him for not having a competent backup quarterback, that's fine. But what, what, what other situation where – NFL team has brought in a guy like Big Brady or Favre or whatever. How how can you plan for a guy going down in the first three plays of the game? I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. I mean, the fact that again, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Um, yeah. How do you say? It? I'm not, I'm not excusing Joe D or or Woody, but like there was an unprecedented situation. Like, how do you, how do you? Like, again, I, I understand. Exactly. You go in. You the go bomb. into the season with a legitimate backup yeah. for your thirty-nine-year-old quarterback. It's yeah, the, and, and and you don't you don't okay. allow the kid to be there. Who the reason you went out and got the thirty-nine-year-old quarterback is because he can't play. But 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 don't you understand that Joe D has some like has some pride of the line because he drafted this guy second. I got. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not explaining no, it away. But don't, don't you understand that? So it's like it's like he he's he's got like a he's got some skin in the game. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's right, but, like, the fact that, again, we'll never know what, what the season would have been if Rodgers played a full 17. But, like, again, like, it was a very strange situation. Of course, I don't no, think, uh, don't think uh, you can blame him. Uh, uh, no, I'm, well, I mean, but you have to be able to adjust. And the idea that you went into the season, and again, did you know it was going to be four plays in? I agree with you. That's a devastating injury to happen, and it's a season ender. But there was a possibility he did have a thumb issue last year. He's he's missed time. He's 39 years old. 
uh, there is an opportunity that he could miss some games with even minor injuries or something. You had to have a better backup quarterback. And then once he is gone for the year, look at what every other team did. Now, again, I'm not and not all of it worked. Dobbs with Minnesota became like a, a quick story and then slowly faded after he played more than you know two games. But, you know, midway through the season, Minnesota loses their quarterback. They go get Dobbs. I mean, um, obviously what happened with um, – uh, with Cleveland, they they they're down a quarterback. They go get Joe Flacco. Like every other team reacts and goes to get someone. The 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 Jets go out and get Trevor Simeon and put him on the practice squad for six weeks. Like why? Like, I understand yeah. your point. It was never going to be. They were never going to be a Super Bowl contender again after four plays into their season. That's fair. They didn't have to be as bad. They didn't have to be as dysfunctional. Yeah, per- personally, again, I'm- uh, screening phone call. So. You got to turn the phone pop back on. I'm going to give you another but, chance. But, 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 sorry, but what I meant was that I thought they would let Zach go and trade him away, and they would keep Mike White as a backup. But I, I, I was surprised that they they let Mike White walk. I, I, I personally thought they would sign him back and let Zach go. I don't, I don't know. You thought yeah, I mean, listen, that would have been a better idea, Kyle. That would have been a better idea. It's absolutely was a, the, the biggest failing, and it, it's not the offensive line. Um, you know they tried. They could have done more to improve the offensive line. They trusted on. They trusted in Mackay Becton too much. You know, obviously Brown uh, was too old to rely on as your left tackle. There's there was issues with that offensive line. It's not the reason he got hurt at all. Not four plays in. Sorry, you can't tell me the the offensive line is the reason when it's four plays in and he wasn't even. It's not even like he got blindsided or you know it was a chop block. He's supposed to get rid of the ball quickly. He chose to hold on to it. That's his fault. The offensive line is not why Rodgers got hurt. Now, eventually, he might have got hurt because the offensive line was terrible. I don't know. We didn't see that season play out. But you had to have a legitimate backup quarterback. I was saying it at the time. I was screaming it as the season was starting. The backup quarterback situation is not good enough for the Jets. It was clear as day. The team had no faith, and you're learning it now with that scathing report that came out from the, the Athletic last week. No one in this franchise has faith in Zach Wilson. Not the players, not the coaches, nobody. Nobody. And when you lose Aaron Rodgers, that is the faith that he was. He came over here and transformed the team, and that's what made them special. They were going to be special because of this man. They were beyond Zach Wilson. They didn't have to worry about Zach anymore. And then four plays in, boom, they're right back, and it was a it, it was worse than if it was Mike White or someone else. Going back, to be fair, when Rodgers goes down, even Mike White, right? It doesn't matter who the backup is on some level. When you lose him for the season, four snaps in, you're never going to be as good. You might be able to step in and and at least battle for a playoff spot. I don't know. But going back to Zach Wilson was the worst possible thing. Because nobody has faith in him. And you learn that in the report. The defense had no faith in him. The team had no faith in him. You didn't need the report. You learned it last year. You learned it last year when they celebrated. When Mike White came in. Celebrated. Through a party. That Mike White was the quarterback. You sensed it then. That was the end of Zach Wilson with this group. They should have recognized it. 
I don't know who's forcing the hand. We all have suspicions. Right? We all have suspicions. And that's why the comment kind of bothers me. But, like, that was a that was a horrendous decision to allow Zach Wilson to be your backup quarterback. And it was obvious then, and to now blame it for, you know, oh, well, we didn't have a backup quarterback. We didn't have one. You didn't have one. Is that something you learned? Because you should have known it. You should have known it. Your coach knew it. Your coach knew it, and he wasn't allowed to make a change. Your coach realized it, and he wasn't given the autonomy to make the decision. But now he's going to focus on the offense. Should be good. Should be real good. Speak your mind at 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount+. Plus. Stream Super Bowl 58 on CBS with Paramount+. Plus. All right, 328, McMonagle with you. 877-337-6666. We did just, you know, uh, mention the NFL Hall of Fame real quick. We'll have more time to to get into it maybe next week. Um, But I do have one kind of problem here. So... The main uh, names who get into the Hall of Fame, Julius Peppers, the first ever Panther, uh, the first ever guy drafted by the Panthers to get into the Hall of Fame. So Julius Peppers gets in, Dwight Freeney uh, gets in, Patrick Willis gets in, and Devin Hester gets in. And Andre Johnson, wide receiver of the Texans. And here's like the one thing that just jumps out at me. Devin Hester is... is the greatest kick returner of all time, right? Arguably. It's, I mean, this, the numbers prove it. I mean, I'm sure they're, you know, we could all make our case. You know, Deion Sanders was a great one. There's different ones. But he was specifically a returner. He's got the most touchdowns. He was great. But that's a unique, specific position, right? And now the greatest at anything, right? Like closers are tough to get into the Hall of Fame. Mariano Rivera was the greatest closer of all time. He got every single Hall of Fame vote. Still the only player to ever get all 100% every single vote. But Antonio Gates leads tight ends in touchdown receptions. Like He's got more touchdown catches than any tight end who ever played the game. And he didn't get into the Hall of Fame, but Devin Hester does. Like, again... It's this is a talking point. This is this is like, you know, 101 sports radio. We could have this debate forever. But it just does jump out at me a little bit. Antonio Gates is one of the great tight ends. Now he's not the best, despite having the most tight the, the most touchdowns. Like I don't necessarily think he's got a he's got <clears throat> 116 touchdowns. Tony Gonzalez has 111. It's tough for me that Antonio Gates is not a Hall of Famer, but Devin Hester is. And Devin Hester was great at what he did. Was great at what he did. But he didn't have 116 touchdowns. <laughs> it's it's a little odd. A little odd that, you know, Jared Allen, great defensive end, 
in this league for a long time, not a Hall of Famer, but Devin Hester is. I got to wrap my mind around it. He was a, He's a phenomenal kick returner, possibly and arguably the greatest ever. Is that? Does that put you in the Hall of Fame? A great kick returner? I, I mean, I don't see why not, right? Great, The best punter ever, right? They, people say Ray Guy is the greatest punter of all time. Wasn't, uh, wasn't lucky enough to see him play, but I don't know. It's a specialized position. I don't, I don't want to... We don't have to spend too much time on it, but as I'm looking over it, because that's where the comments were made by Woody Johnson, Lamar Jackson wins the MVP, Flacco wins Comeback Player of the Year, and those are the Hall of Fame. Uh, there are some snubs, but we'll get into it maybe a little bit more next week. we got a lot going on today. 877-337-6666 says the Knicks make a big trade. Woody Johnson speaks. And my guy deserves an apology. So we got a lot to do. And, of course, the Super Bowl. We'll have picks this hour. Mark in California. What's up, Mark? What's going on? So I know you were saying that, you know, Hester, but what I always tell people is, listen, is Eli Mamma Giants fan? Is Eli Manning going to be in the Hall of Fame? Absolutely. You know what? A lot of people are saying no. But, listen, it's not the Hall of Very Good. It's the Hall of Fame. He was the best player, Devin Hester, at position. They had to change the rules for this man. It's, you know, Antonio Gates should be in there. Mm -hmm. I consider him my top five tight ends of all time. When it's all said and done, Travis Kelsey will go down as the greatest tight end ever. Probably. A lot of people are speculating Gronkowski. Listen, Gronkowski has 4,000-yard seasons. Kelsey's on his way to maybe 9 or 10 if he plays another two years. Right? He's that good. Yeah. And to me, a 1,000-yard season as a tight end is more important than how many touchdowns you score. Mm. Because that means that you right, but hold on. That means that you're getting the ball more involved, right? Like Gronkowski was Yeah, but the name of the game is scoring points and getting touchdowns. I mean I mean and, uh, and he has that too. He's not that far off from Gronkowski. Uh, uh, yeah, no, listen, and that uh, this isn't an argument who's better. I I don't disagree right. with you on some level, but I'm just saying overall the idea uh, yards versus touchdowns. I mean, it's 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 not just as clear cut. I mean, I don't know if you put yards I mean, over touchdowns. I don't we know. can all we can all argue, and I especially from a agree. position like a tight end. I mean, you really right. you want I to mean, be a threat in the red zone. No, is that not you know one game, of the main? The game What's that? I mean, the game has changed, but listen, Gronkowski yeah. was a better red zone target. I feel like than yeah, than, than, than Kelsey. He's a lot bigger. He's a lot stronger. Some of the catches he makes is crazy, but the reason why I think. Kelsey is the greatest is because the yak, the yards after the catch, this guy's unbelievable. Yeah, at. Like no, I the, mean, and to, just, yeah, to be the most, you know, the, the most dynamic player on I a mean, great he, offensive he, team. He really is. And I mean, I don't even want to talk about that. I don't even want to talk. I, yeah. I want to call Nick man because I can't believe this. What is happening, what we're witnessing, Chris, is they just got Bojan, who is really good, shooting a ridiculous. Yeah. Almost forty-seven percent from three, which is yeah, outrageous. It's, it's it's crazy. If you look it, at some, it, it, I was listening. I was listening to someone dude. talk about it. Like, if you look at his field goal percentage, his three-point percentage, uh, his like, there's another number. It, I forget the number it was. I should have went back and listened to it again. But I was listening to a He's podcast. He's a step behind Randall. Randall is still the number yeah, one power forward on that team. Yeah, but yeah. 
No, but I mean, he almost—it's—he's almost putting the ball in the basket at a seventy-two percent clip. Like seventy-two percent of the time, the ball leaves his hand; it goes in. Like it's something crazy and then like you that. Got Burks. Burks who's shooting forty-one percent. He's averaging fifteen a game. So you just yeah. added offense to a team that desperately needs it right no now. Bojan's going to step in and take all the pressure off Brunson, which is going to be fantastic because the backup point guard behind Brunson is Miles McBride. If you saw today, he's just obviously not very good yet. Right. So, not good know, enough. And listen, but Burks, for, Burks doesn't fit right that now. role at point guard. You know, terrific, but he does bring the ability to score, the ability to to um, you know, well, get I his own shot, the ability to get people involved. I just, you know, I, he's not like the he's not a, he's not a point guard to me, but he can he can fill in the role on yeah. this team right now. Well, I mean, you all you always put Josh Hart next to him, but you know, he's not yeah. even really playing that point guard. He played some point guard last season, but Dante DiVincenzo, man, yeah, unbelievable, He's isn't he? This kid is unreal, man. Yeah. He is, I mean, listen, scoring 36 tonight, I think that's his, like, since the injury, I think that's his fifth 30-point game. I mean, it, it, they it's need, listen, wild. Well, listen, he's shooting a ton. They need him to be that 30-point guy, and he stepped up and done a tremendous job. Uh, um, and, no doubt, he's been he's been great, and and... You know him stepping into that starting lineup. He's been much better since that you know occurred. Uh, I think yeah. I mean right now the thing with the Knicks is for me it's how well they're run and how they've done all this and they still have every first round pick. You know the Bogdanovich. Isn't that nuts? They got nuts. OG Bojan and Alec Burks and not give up a first round yep. pick, man. And yep. everyone was saying Leon Rose, man. Leon Rose this. Leon Rose that. He traded away all his talent. Did all this. Yeah. He, Finessed everybody. Like this guy, and that's the reason why we brought him to New York is because he was this mathematician at making trades, this no negotiator. And what's kind of strange to me, you're going to start seeing this, Chris, is, is if they want to go get a superstar, it's going to start getting a little difficult because you have no pieces to really play with now that you traded away everybody. You do got a bunch of first round picks. But I think if the rumors are true, did Cleveland win tonight? Um, I th- yeah, they did. Yeah, they beat the Nets. Yes, That's sixteen wins in their last seventeen games. They're sixteen and one. Yeah, no, they've been they've been on they've been on fire. And Mitchell's been unbelievable. Incredible. So all the talks of Donovan Mitchell coming to New York now. Well, listen, I mean, you, don't, you, don't, you don't you don't you don't know that for sure. Just because I mean, they they had a pretty good year last right. year. I know they lost in the playoffs, but he just might right. not want to play in Cleveland. I, he the the idea that he might want right. to just be a Nick. I don't necessarily think just because they're playing well. I mean, it's not like they lost last year. I know they lost to the Knicks in the playoffs. Uh, but right now, you're right. They're playing as good. They're play, they're argue, they are the hottest team in the NBA over the Knicks. So they're, they're the hottest they're, team, and the Knicks were until that loss to the Lakers. And right. Obviously, you know. Uh, no, but right, yeah, I, and right, hard, right now they're the two seed, and you know they're playing. You're right, they're 16 and, and one their last 17. They've been incredible. Yeah, Isaiah Hardenstein, I think, went down today, so hopefully that he did. He re-aggravated his uh, Achilles injury. But so that last season was out a couple games for for that. Yeah, he injury, missed a, so. he missed two games at the end of January for it. I will. I mean, we'll see. Uh, but what they've done right now. Thank you for the call, Mark. And good points. Good call. Uh, yeah, I I love what they've done because of their ability to to improve the team. Now look, they they they've lost a lot of their youth. Like if they went into the year, or at least you know, lad, they ended last year, and you had Obi Toppin, you had. Um, R.J. Barrett, you had quickly, you had Grimes. That was like the young kind of core future of this team, and they're all gone, like all of them. And they've become a little bit older, but they've become better, no doubt. They've become better. 
and they're a more well-rounded team, and OG uh, Ananobi has completely changed how they play defensively, and they still have all those picks. Now, they do, like, I don't know, you might have to give up a DiVincenzo, like, to get a superstar next year with the picks, and obviously the uh, uh, Bogdani, uh, Bogdanovich contract. Um, but... Like they might, there's still pieces on this team. As long as it's not the three, right? As long as you have, you can find, you know, pieces around it. If you get a superstar and you have Brunson, Randall, and OG, I mean, then you you, you need to get some shooters, no doubt. But that that's the core you're looking for, right there. Stuart in Brooklyn, what's up, Stu Pot? Yeah, good morning, C Mac. Good morning, sir. What's up? What's up, Ed Sullivan Show? Yes, today is the anniversary of the Ed Sullivan Show, the appearance on the Beatles. Uh, close your eyes and I'll kiss you tomorrow. I'll miss you. Uh, it's a good trade what they made, what they extended. Yes, they did. How? It is a good trade. It makes them better. It's still li- it doesn't limit them from making a move in the offseason. And, and it helps stem the tide during all these injuries. While Brunson is dealing with an ankle, while Randall and OG are out long-term for at least a month for OG, probably more than that for Randall, uh, it stems the tide. It makes them deeper. It gives them a, a, a deeper roster come story? playoff time, and it doesn't hurt them uh, for getting a superstar in the offseason. So it's what remarkable. What happened to he, he re-injured Achilles? Yeah, he had an Achilles injury. He re-injured it in the game. He left the, the Dallas game last night, which they lost, uh, obviously. They didn't have anybody to play. Uh, so Hartenstein, uh, I don't know how long he'll be out. It doesn't sound like it's serious. It doesn't sound like he ruptured anything or or is going to be out for a long time. But it, you know, it's a it's something that cost him a couple games at the end of January. You could see it costing him a couple games here. Maybe you know, maybe he's out till the All Star break or something. They they're going to have to. This is you know, this is going to be a tough time for the Knicks. They're yeah. not going to have Randall for a while. They're not going to have OG when for a while. When they say he's coming back, who Julius. They've, they haven't said they're going to reevaluate him in in, in three weeks. Uh, and OG, what, what's up with him? OG had surgery uh, on to remove a bone spur from his elbow. He's going to resume ba- basketball activities in a month, uh, in three weeks, excuse me. So hopefully, you could have him back in a month. It's an elbow thing. Uh, once once he's healed and and back on the court in three weeks, you would assume it'd be quick. He'd be able to stay in shape. It's not like it's a knee or leg where he's going to be hampered running and staying in shape. So as long as the once the elbow is good to go, he should be back. So hopefully a month or you know maybe five weeks at the max. Uh, but still, that's long enough where they're going to be playing well, without him. For uh, it, it, that is definitely not good because they need they need all the help they can get. And these guys are playing really well, but you know they could go into a slide too, which hopefully no. I mean, listen, that that's the thing. Like if you look, let's look at the the next schedule here. And thank you for the call. Um, they have the. Indiana Pacers on Saturday to finish out the homestand, which they, you know, uh, it's going to be a tough game to win, but they've gone one, two, they're, yeah, they're one, two, three, and two right now. They might finish this six-game homestand three and three, but maybe they could beat the Pacers. Hopefully uh, Brunson uh, is back for it, but then they go to the Rockets, then they go to the Magic. Now they come out of the All-Star break with – uh, the 76ers, the Celtics, right off the bat, in Philadelphia. And then they have a, another four-game homestand against the Celtics, the Pistons, uh, the Pelicans, the Warriors. So I mean, the 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 Pistons are terrible, but you got some you know tough teams uh, with the Celtics and the Warriors and the Pelicans. Then they go to Cleveland in, in the beginning of March. 
Atlanta, then they have another homestand a little bit. They play a lot of home games. Atlanta, Orlando, back-to-back with Philadelphia and before they make the West Coast trip uh, around March 14th. So if you do the math, what's today, the 9th? Hopefully there's a chance that OG could be back for that road trip on March 14th as they head to Portland, uh, uh, Sacramento, uh, the Warriors and Denver for a four game. Like, so you're hoping if you can get to that point and you got to keep yourself above water, there's still some bad teams in the mix, but for the most part, that's a tougher schedule than what it's been. You got the 76ers three times in that span, uh, once in Philly, twice in the garden. You got the Celtics, you have the Warriors, you're at Cleveland, you play the Magic, who I, I believe they're yet to beat this year. So, I mean, this is this is a stretch between Saturday against the Pacers and then to that road trip, that West Coast trip on the 14th, a little over a month to stem the tide without OG and Randall. I, and, and I don't even think you're going to get Randall back at that point, but you should get Ananobi back by then or right around then. I mean, this is, and that's part of this deal too. Part of this deal is it, like the three facets of this deal for me are one, it stems the tide in the short term dealing with these injuries and gives them some scoring because we saw against the Lakers, if you, if even with Brunson on the floor, if you could double team him right now, this team had no options to score baskets. This at least gives them, you know, with DiVincenzo, uh, now you've got three legitimate scorers on the court. Uh, you could at least at, w- at one time. Uh, so it stems the tide. It, it bolsters the bench for the long-term push into the playoffs, and it still provides them with uh, flexibility in the offseason to get a superstar and shows you how well this team is being run right now and what an incredible job Leon Rose has done. I mean, that's those are the three aspects, the short term, the long term of this season, and then ultimately how, how Leon Rose was able to bolster this team and make it good enough where we might believe they're good enough to get to an Eastern Conference Finals and yet still the flexibility to go out there and make a move in the offseason for a superstar if he shakes free. I mean, right now they are in as good a spot as you could be in the NBA without being the Denver Nuggets, without being a team that you feel like, without being Milwaukee with the superstars or Boston that's been the best team in the East, at least in the regular season for the last couple of years. Like, it's without having the team you know can win a championship, you can't be in a better position than the Knicks. When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. And the ball game's over, and the Giants have won Super Bowl 46. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. This is the last time of the year. How disappointing. I mean, let's just be honest. It's the, and, let, and it's and the game. The game we talked about forever. I mean, you know, it's it's not even really a game. It's more of a, an event. Hopefully, I, I think there actually is a pretty good chance this is a pretty good game. I'm, but, uh, Mark, I don't know if you agree with me. Have you felt like the lack of buzz for this game? I know they talked about it in the morning show, too, and they're there. But I just feel like there's been no buzz for this football game. What's the story coming out? San Francisco hates their their practice facility. Like what? No. Like it just feels like there's. I mean, obviously the Taylor Swift stuff, but 
Like, like that's just, not buzz. That's just that's what I'm saying. Like what's like there's just no feel. Well, I, I, there's there's two things. I think because we've got it. Was it five years ago? That's yeah, four years ago. So which a lot of people have played like this whole everything's the same. We have the same election. We're gonna have Biden <laughs> versus Trump. We have the same uh, game in the Super Bowl. Hopefully, because if you remember, that was the Super Bowl where then our lives changed like two weeks later or three weeks later. Right. That was right before COVID. Yeah, no, let's not do that again. Um, let's not do that again. No. So there's part. There's that. There's the Chiefs. One, them just being there four times again, in five years is just kind of like, eh, yeah, yeah. So like, there's a lot of eh, aspects to this whole thing where yeah. it doesn't give you. Plus, let's be fair. Every year it seems like we get less and less buzz because this becomes more and more of nonsense and not football. Yeah. So like the actual football in us, the football people in us, if you will, yeah. we're like, just get us to Sunday. I don't care about this. I don't care about that. I don't care about what you're talking about. I don't care what you have for dinner. Right. Can we get to Sunday and we actually get the game kicked off? And I think we're getting more and more like that because it's getting more and more ridiculous. Yeah, but I feel like... I don't know. I feel like the the teams are actually like the the Niners. I think all year proved themselves to be the best team in the NFC, mm-hmm. and the Chiefs are the Chiefs. So like, there's a chance this is a really good football game, and yet I feel like we haven't really talked about it much. Like, it's kind of just gone by the wayside. But I get all your points are fair. I, I do think the Chiefs. But did we ever get there with the Patriots? Like, I felt like the Patriots. As much as we got sick of yeah. them, I got sick of them. But I'm no, saying, we did. did. Think did about the Buzz leave. Yeah, for some of them. Was, yeah. there, was there really big buzz for the Patriots and the Falcons? No. The game wound up being the twenty-eight to three, and that's what of we course, remember. The overtime game, yeah. But yeah. going in, yeah, I didn't feel it. Yeah, going in for the Patriots and Rams. Did you have buzz? I don't remember. I, the, I don't remember the, any the buzz. Game, the game was so awful that now we look back out on it and go, "What a terrible Super Bowl!" But I don't remember if there was big buzz or not. See, I, I felt, mean, it was McVay. His was, first time in I know Super Bowl, it was, young but it, coach, it just phenom, did, it didn't feel guru. like they could win the game. Yeah, and they weren't supposed to be there. It was supposed to be the Saints, so right, it was a letdown right, from right, that. Right, right, so it was just kind of like. Yeah. There are times where again, we, and, and there's the Patriots again. You know, you wind up like that. I and certainly the Chiefs did. again. I'm fed up. I'm I'm so glad Tom Brady isn't there. And now we gotta we gotta get. Well, we went from one to the other. We went from one yeah. dynasty to another. It hasn't bothered me just yet. And Andy Reid's so lovable compared to Bill Belichick. I'll say this, I mean, and you know, I'm, he's kind of this. You know, I I've always liked Andy Reid. I I hated myself for actually kind of liking him when he was when with the Eagles. Eagles. Like I, yeah. I just didn't really. I I wanted to hate him. Yeah. I hated everybody on the team, sure. but Andy Reid. Right. I'll say this, and this probably this is going to hurt a lot of people, but I, I really, I truly felt this. I never really, the Patriots never bothered me, ever. Oh, and I think it's maybe because Belichick was always my guy as a right. Giant fan. So yeah, like yeah. I grew up, so I always liked Belichick. Yeah, and because the Giants beat them twice in the Super Bowl, like yeah. I got no problem. With no, the I, 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 I get no that. Issues. I just got tired of it. Like I, I got tired. It felt like the notion was. What the hell is an AFC championship game without Tom Brady? And what's the Super Bowl without Tom Brady? And then every year, it's the same thing for two weeks. Uh, what would this win mean? The greatest quarterback-coach combination? Like, I just got tired of that conversation over and over mm-hmm. and over again. And then, you know, even like even the things that you'd normally like, this is when I knew I was really fed up with them. Because, and not to get into it, but like I lost my father at a young age, and Tom Brady does that interview. The kid asks him, Who's your hero? Right. And he goes into that thing about my dad's my hero, and he gets emotional. And like 99 times out of 100, I'd be like, I'd connect to that. And, and even like, and even me, who would, I was still like, Oh, enough of this guy. <laughs> like, honestly, oh, now, now he's crying about his dad. Like, and that's when I knew, I'm like, I am so jaded and hateful about these guys constantly being in the game. Even a nice story where he's talking about his father being his hero, which, again, I lost my dad. I completely relate. Like, oh. everything, I, you know, the sports, the Beatles, the, like, all of it <laughs> is about my dad. And, like, even I'm like, enough. 
Like, what else can we do to add to how great Tom Brady is? Now he's a great son. Now, I mean, it's just everything. That's when I knew I, I somehow I've become completely saturated. All right. We, we do got to get to the game here. So let's go. We know what it is. Two and a half. It hasn't moved. We'll see if it moves on Sunday. Uh, speculation or at least a reason why, because I can't imagine that many people betting on the 49ers. We can see what your take is on the game. I can't imagine that many people. The line hasn't moved. Speculation is there's so much future bets on San Francisco to win the Super Bowl that the the books feel like they need as much money on Kansas City as possible to help leverage their situation. Where if San Francisco wins, so many people midway through the season as they were dominating Mm -hmm. in the NFC put future bets on San Francisco to win the Super Bowl that if they win, they're going to get killed. So they need as many people to bet on Kansas City as they can. I don't know. We'll see what happens game time. I'm shocked it's still 2.5, but that's where it is. San Francisco, minus 2.5 as the uh, short favorite. What do you got, Marco? Look, there's a lot of me that wants to say San Francisco, and they are. They're the more talented team top to bottom. When you go through all 53, they are more talented. I've had issues with them in this playoff run. I thought that they would steamroll the Packers Mm -hmm. in that first game in the rain, and I was kind of like, hey, you know what? Give them credit. They played terrible. They found a way to win. Give them credit. Going into the NFC Championship, same against the Lions. Hey, look, the Lions are a lot better than the Packers are, at least on paper. But it was the idea that they're going to find themselves. They're going to roll in this game. They'll show their dominance. They were down a lot. They never panicked. And they were able to come back and win. But I'm seeing a lot of trends that I just flat out don't like. They've been gashed in the run game. I mean, just dominated with the Packers and the Lions. They can't seem to stop anything. Plus the fact that Brock Purdy... And I, all year long, I kept saying to myself, like, he makes every throw. He does everything you need him to do. Like, yeah, it's not spectacular. Yeah, it's not – it doesn't flash. It doesn't – but he doesn't have to. He makes every throw. He's on the money all the time. He hasn't been in the playoffs. He really hasn't. So as much as we could talk about the comebacks, I've been looking at him and going, wow, this is really not the same dominant team. Maybe they're a little out of gas. And on the flip side, with the Chiefs, all year I've been talking about something missing. Something's not right. They don't look right. They don't look. And it's it was understandable. They've lost some pieces. And how many times can you dominate? I mean, at some point, people figure it out, and you have a lot less talent. You're, you're not going to look great all the time. And every week in December and January, they get better. They get better. They get better. And they're doing it on the defensive side. They did a really nice job against the Ravens where they basically loaded up the box and said, you're not going to run, or you know what? We dare you to do it. And they figured out a way. They find every weakness, and it's the idea of Andy Reid is that smart, and he's got a guy like Steve Spagnuolo on the defensive side that's been through everything, and he's seen it all. Then you got Patrick Mahomes, which is the ultimate wild card, and the Kelseys and all that. I feel like I want to say the more talented team would win, but nothing in my, my body, my head, there's nothing that tells me that the Chiefs won't be able to run the ball because the 49ers haven't been able to stop it. And if the Chiefs fall behind, I mean, if the 49ers fall behind, you're telling me Brock Purdy's going to come back on this team? I don't buy it. I also don't like the idea that Kyle Shanahan in every big spot yeah. has not shown that he's got the the same magic touch that he's got during the year. That becomes mental. That becomes a confidence thing. And I think when he's calling plays late in the game, it could rear its ugly head. Sure. And I think he gets cute. Instead of just feeding Christian McCaffrey and saying, you know what? Yeah. You're going to load the box. I don't care. I got the best player on the, on the field. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. He's going to want to get cute. He's going to want to throw the ball. And I think Steve Spagnuolo is going to be giggling on the other side going, yeah, keep throwing it. Keep throwing it. Eventually, we're going to make the play. I just don't see – it'll be – I think it's close. I think it's a good game. I think it's enjoyable to watch. 
I don't see how Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Steve Spagnuolo lose to Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy. Mm-hmm. I, just, I don't see it. Give me the Chiefs plus the two and a half. Yeah, I mean, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. and Unfortunately, I agree. I'm going to take the Chiefs two and a half, too. I just can't bet against them again. A lot of the things you said are true. Uh, this Chief team that all year has you felt different about that offense. It hasn't been the same. And despite being shut out in the second half at times, first of all, obviously, Kelsey has reemerged and looked like himself again. He was dominant in that first half. He's been much better in this playoffs. Uh, their ability and, and you know, obviously this group's ability to come through with the big play. Now, the only thing that scares me a little bit for Kansas City is um, the injury to the offensive line. Tooney, who's been their best mm-hmm. offensive lineman, uh, to have that injury with this front four. Now, if if they get into a position where the Niners do get out to a lead, maybe they can pin their ears back. But you're right. They're Pacheco and, and the way they run this football and the way San Francisco's front four and Chase Young's been a disappointment mm-hmm. and the way they were dominated by the Lions' offensive line. I mean, dominate. Yes, just the it's easy to just say the run game, totally true. But if you look at it, it was more than just, like physically dominated mm-hmm. by that Lions offensive line. Now, it's not a, the Lions offensive line is better than the Chiefs offensive line, especially with the injuries, but I still worry about them unless they have a lead and can pin their ears back, which I find hard to believe they will. I'm really concerned about that. That matchup for what I thought would have been a strength for the 49ers has not been here mm-hmm. in the postseason. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you with the coach. I don't like the idea. They're kind of complaining about this field. I don't know if it's right or wrong, and maybe I'm looking into it too much. But it's just, you know, already we're making excuses and complaints. They've got the they've got the Raiders facilities. We're out here at UNLV. The field's too soft. The union doesn't like it. The, the NFL says it's fine. Like, we're, we're, we're having that discussion I, I I agree with you. I worry about him getting away from the run the way he did in the second half of that Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. If they stack the box, Spagnola is probably right now the greatest defensive coordinator of this generation. I mean, it's hard. Like, uh, you know, in the last 10 years, name a guy who's been more successful as a defensive coordinator, especially in his big games. He beats the Patriots. I know that's more than 10 years ago now. But he beats the undefeated Patriots. He's got the this defense playing phenomenal. It's really Chris Jones and a bunch of guys. It's not like they have, <laughs> it's not like they have a, a, an enormously talented team. I'm not trying to say they aren't talented. But it's not like uh, the Ravens are much more talented defense. You could argue, you know, the 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 Browns have had a, you know mm-hmm. have more talent on their defense, and yet here's the team. Hell of a lot more names, you know. I mean, hell of a lot more names, and they shut down consistently. They they shut down the Bills. They shut down the Ravens completely, who was a dominating force offensively this year, or at least Lamar Jackson, who won the MVP last night. I mean, it's just. When you get into these big games, it's impossible now. I've done it twice this year. I can't do it again. I don't know how you can. In the big moment, I trust Patrick Mahomes. Now, Purdy's shown a little bit of magic, no doubt. Even in the game, he was miserable against Green Bay. He found a way to have that last drive. But I just think they're going to – I just it's hard to come up short. And if it's the other way around and it's two minutes left, down, a, down two points, down a field goal for, the, uh, for Patrick Mahomes in this offense – Explain to me how you don't have 100% confidence that he's going down the field and winning the game. So I don't know if I trust the head coach and Purdy on the 49ers side to be that team that drives down the field and wins the game, and I have abundance amount of confidence that if it would the shoes on the other foot, that they come, that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid go down the field and win the game. So it's as simple as that. If it's a close game, I trust one side and I don't necessarily trust the other. They've disappointed me. I thought they'd get through the Packer game, have their scare, and dominate the Lions. Instead, they had to play catch up in the second half, figured out a way to win. Dan Campbell and all his decisions played into it. But whatever the case may be, 
the better roster is the 49ers, but you can't go against He's shown you enough. This team is too good to go against Patrick Mahomes right now. So, yes, I'm on it as well. Give me the Chiefs minus, uh, excuse me, plus two and a half. We'll come back and we'll take a chance on the MVP.